Hi everyone, I want to start by apologizing for last episode. I sounded like I was in a hallway because I was using my webcam mic. And I was using my webcam mic because at some point I rebooted to perform a Windows update, which is something I'm just not going to do very often. Certainly not quite before a show. And well, what happened do, was... Make sure your settings are right. Well, that's the thing, right? So that has to be part of my workflow. I'll write that down. <laughs> See, let me see. What? Where? Okay. Workflow. And uh, that was kind of instinctively my my check for this morning. And I also tap on my mic just to double check. Um, so Discord is set to, it's not push to talk, which is what I normally do, but it's uh, based on voice activity. So it's it's actually sending no data if there's relative silence, which is really useful for doing, I mean, noise cancellation doesn't have to happen in those in those spaces in between words, but um, we still have to do, we do a recording just to double check that we can, we can prep things so that the noise filtering can be done through the times when I do speak. Anyway, so, so that's why it happened, but it also happened because when I asked in our pre-check, you know, in our volume, in our quality check, do I sound okay? The answer was yes. The answer was yes. And twice, twice on multiple occasions, my audio quality was brought up during the, the stream. Both times, both times it was, it's okay. I thought and it seemed I have that recorded. <laughs> And I went through and I tagged the moments when my audio quality was brought up and you dismissed it as being unimportant. So, yeah. Yeah, damn you. Uh, you're dumb. This is why I was thinking of doing local recording so that I can eliminate, uh, you know, extra moving parts, which apparently you're a liability for this kind of thing. <laughs> I'll, I'll talk about... The third segment is one we're going to talk about processes a little bit more. I don't want to... I want to talk about more interesting stuff, I suppose, for people who are um, not making their own podcasts, let's say. Um, previously, I don't know if it was last show or the show before, I had talked about meditation. And uh, we got asked by by a listener sometime earlier, sorry again, um, how to meditate slash how do I meditate? And... Uh, I technically kind of do have a practice and it's so much a part of my life that I wouldn't, I mean, it's not taught like it's a meditation. That's the thing. So I, I would, there's a version of the Japanese practice of Zazen, which is generally considered a sitting meditation, although that's technically wrong. Um, there is a, a walking version of it called Kinhin. And what I do might be likened to something like that, but there's a bunch of other, uh, I mean, so I pace a lot. And when I move, I make sure that I have, I, I end up finding a space kind of like, kind of like a cat finds a box. I end up finding a space where I can pace around. And so I've got a, a big, big kitchen and it's big enough that I've been thinking about doing like a, a cooking show of me pretending like I like trying to learn 
<laughs> so it'd be kind of embarrassing, but just like I want to do one for how starting to garden or one for physicality or kind of physical life improvement and stuff like that. I've been thinking about doing that for the kitchen, but I actually spend a lot of time pacing around my kitchen. I might listen to music. I might, uh, I, at one point I had, um, you know, if you're doing exercises and you have say limited space and not a lot of equipment and et cetera, et cetera, you can actually get these uh, like Velcro strapped bands that you can put around. Generally it's your ankles. So if you're doing certain kinds of cardio, for example, and you add that additional weight, it makes it insanely difficult. And you can do the same thing. You can put them up on your wrists, although not many, not many places will actually sell it as that. And I used to actually have those on my wrists as I was pacing around my kitchen. I wish I really kept that practice firmly because it would have made a difference. But instead, I got a 12-pound padded bar. And I walk around with that. And I find it actually easier than... I mean, easier than picking up a dumbbell and easier than putting on weights because it's like a half staff that I can lean against the corner. And it, there's something about that as an object that that speaks to me better than something, well, than anything else. Partly because, um, I mean, it, it, it's partly because it reminds me of weapons training and partly because it requires grip and it also is very good with two hands so it's a little bit safer to to move and and you can move as opposed to if i were to wave my arms around or something like that which i can do that's a little bit weirder than like holding a bar and switching hands or moving it up or down or this kind of stuff and i actually um I tend to not reach for it. It depends on my mood. And so I, I really, I really like that. I'm glad I bought it. There's a, a 12 pound and a 10 pound version. I'm not really sure why they have two different versions. I don't know why two pounds would make a difference, but the idea is, I mean, my use is always going to be weird for everything everywhere. But the idea of this is you could, for example, lie on your back and you would have this is not a standard iron bar for put, putting the weights on the ends. So this is an actual, this is not a barbell. Um, this is just a padded thing. So technically speaking, somebody could lie on the floor and use this for like a really straightforward light sort of like reverse pushup in a sense. And I don't understand that use because I mean, that would be good for people pursuing some sort of um, what's what's the term mm, uh, physiotherapy. If a person's doing physiotherapy, something like that might be excellent. But objects like this aren't sold for physiotherapy without upselling that, and this was just sold as is. So I'm not really sure what it's for. I, but when I saw it, I knew exactly how I would use it. The other, I mean, I'm not going to do it in a, in a house, let alone in a kitchen, but the other things to think about are using a, 
I'm a dude, so would be using like a two-handed mace, which is an actual. It's an ob, it's an actual object. I'm not talking about the medieval weapon, although that would work too. Um, but it's a it's a weight uh, at the end of a, a shaft, and it's particularly heavy most of the time. And you have to like really swing it around and stuff. I I don't know that I would get into that, but at one point a bunch of a bunch of guys I knew were into kettlebells when that was kind of coming up as a fad. Uh, I don't I don't know certainly where I was. So certainly in Canada, um, I don't know if it's an older idea or if it the fad hit elsewhere or what's going on. But kettlebells are um, they're actually quite inexpensive. I, shipping shipping fees must be terrible, but um, they're pretty inexpensive. The um, the thing about kettlebells is they have to be used correctly and it isn't you might think it's easy to so a kettlebell is a is kind of like a small weight it's iron or something like this uh, it's not often padded and it's got this loop this metal loop so it's one one attached thing no joints no nothing and the idea is that you would pick it up you would pick it up and you you would generally pick it up with both hands kind of going down into a squat and you would sometimes swing it, sometimes just lift it. And the thing is, it's one big weight. And when you're, when you're doing a jerk maneuver like that, that people will do weird things in weird directions. And when you're swinging an object and you're trying to keep control of it, if you, if you take an object and you give it momentum and you try to hold on, and the momentum is weird, like you mess up the momentum, so it's going in a funny direction, and you try to maintain control because you don't want to throw it at a wall, so like you mess up, you jerk it, it goes somewhere weird. Well, you're holding on to something that's got whatever force you've given it, so it's however much weight moving however fast. And if you try to hold on to that, you might twist something, wrench something, whatever. You might strain yourself. Not just because you're trying to like the smart thing to do would be to try to arc would be to move your body and understand your own joints and try to arc the momentum somewhere so you can control it. But a lot of people just try to jerk it back on that line that it's moving on and all of whatever the heck is attached to their hand will all snap towards that one direction. You can really, you can do some damage doing that. So people use it wrong, make mistakes and do that kind of thing. They also use it wrong consistently for a long time and they might hurt, hurt their back, etc. So that's kind of an advanced thing. I would never I would never send somebody towards kettlebells actually I think under any real circumstance because it just requires so much understanding and people will think, that it's obvious how to use something like that. They might even see somebody using it and they'll memorize a pattern and then do it. But you can do it wrong and it, it, it'll it hurt you by inches. And the other thing I was looking at is um, called Indian club bells. And they're, they're kind of like the mace and there's an Indian version of the mace as well. But the club bells, you can think of it like bowling pins, bowling pins that are weighted, and you actually swing them around your head, like two, like as a pair. 
and I don't know if this is a this comes from some variation of a martial practice of some sort, like a martial art, because there are I mean India's got a lot of people and it's pretty old, and there are quite a lot of interesting martial arts there. But I've never I've never studied their stuff, so I'm not really sure what's around. And so this might come from that kind of thing. And that's that's always been an interesting idea for me. But again, that although it's more obvious because all the moves are, are are arcing, so they're they tend to be fairly safe um, in comparison to club bell and in, in club bells in comparison to um, to like a kettlebell is technically safer, but you're still swinging weights around. So this kind of stuff. I mean, that kind of stuff is has been interesting to me, but just having a straight bar and learning to lift it and turn it and move it is... Uh, I haven't dropped this thing once, which is a good thing because it's I'm pacing around in a kitchen. So, yeah. So, I mean, I have that thing, and I kind of want to bring it into my backyard as part of the excuse to, to be outside for longer. And I kind of want to do dousing outside. I, I think I briefly talked about that. And... Um, it's like, it's, it's, there's a bunch of stuff I want to do outside. This morning I woke up, I think it was like the crack of dawn, maybe a little bit after the crack of dawn. So there was enough light and I did some, some, I can't call it gardening yet because it's a wreck of a space that happens to have life that for some reason persists in spite of us not watering it ever. <laughs> Like literally ever in 10 years. So the life that's out there is solid. So it's, I don't know that I can call it healthy, but it's definitely clinging on. I went out there this morning because I wanted to dig up some lavender. And people get the impression with lavender that it's like, um, that that it's, it's a flower. But it's not a flower. It's a flowering bush. And by bush, I mean it's got proper roots going down it's not getting blown away in the wind and it's not going to let you dig it up um i i knew this was a thing i knew this was a thing because i had watched some videos because i do my research before i do stuff not that it's great research but it's something and i did some research and i saw this one woman demonstrated she was demonstrating repotting so you'd you'd buy a flower pot with a plant in it and you would pull it out of that like little plastic container and you would put it in your own larger pot for wherever or in her case she was planting it outside when she pulled this thing out um, it was just this tangled mass of roots because it had matured in that little pot and its roots spread out everywhere like tendrils and occupied as much space as possible and it ran out of space so kind of tangled back in on itself which is one of the reasons why if you've got a little plant from the store that you want to do something with it as soon as possible. Cause if it just matures in that pot, it's going to be a, a mess trying to pull it out. Plus you're going to have to like loosen the roots and then all this kind of stuff. So it's a little bit extra work and the plant won't repot as healthily as it would if it was immediately moved to good soil in a big pot, whatever's appropriate. Anyway, because of that 
tangled root mass that I saw. I knew that this, that trying to take it from the wild, that those roots would kind of spread everywhere. It would probably sp spread to like double the size of the pot that she was showing, which is a lot. So you can imagine if you're American, it's like a, it's like a little thing. Like imagine you're getting a plant and the, the pot that it's in is like two thirds of a foot or something like that. The root system would have gone out to probably almost double that if it weren't in that pot. So if it was in the ground and it was just natural in the ground and it was mature for however many years, the root system would probably go much larger than that. And if you try to cut something out of the ground and you cut too many roots, then what is left might not be able to recover from the transplant. So I, I, I intuited all of that. And so I went digging and I was pretty careful. And man, it was a lot of work to, to dig around. And, and, and boy, um, I mean, it was, I still ended up accidentally cutting one really thick root. It's kind of like the root of a dandelion is how big it was. So it had tendrils and it had that one big root that I kind of clipped. And it had all kinds of tendrils that I ended up shearing just trying to shovel and i was not shoveling near the thing and i still so i've got one plant that is kind of wrecked um i don't know i don't even know where to repot it because i need a foot and a half of of space for this thing and it's little and i did a second one and i, I learned from the first lesson i really dug wide and it was really hard and i still don't think i did it as well as i could have and it's a larger plant. The thing is, I've got a third one until I get to like leftover, terrible lavender that's old and kind of, I don't know why it's alive. It's trying to flower. It's just bleached out. Um, same breed. It's just old. Um, but this, this intermediate size one, I dug a huge hole and I still don't think I did it right. And I, I put it in a giant ice cream bucket with no drainage. So I'm going to rescue that. And um, I'm going to argue transplanting that into the backyard when I can to try to save the thing. Um, we're going to have to decide how we're going to deal with this stuff now that I know how all of that works. Okay, so Minion, is that is that our break coming up right now? What? Did I, is that When is our break, anyway? In half an hour. Okay, so that's something I want to I want to solve, which is we need to have a countdown timer while the show is going to tell people that that there is oh. a break coming up. And that would so remember how our original plan was: people would know to expect a time a break time coming up, so they could they could pause, they could not feel tired while listening and they know that a break is coming up so they they know that they're not going to need to rush out to use the bathroom for like say the under the best circumstance somebody is fascinating fascinated and wants to uh, either participate or listen and they're so they're kind of like holding their bladder and suffering because they don't know when they can run away and they need to rush and then come back because they don't want to miss anything. 
Now, if we tell them when a break is coming up, they can either tough it out or they can kind of plan in their heads like, oh, okay, I'll, it's 10 minutes. I'll run off and get a snack or, and then come. It's the same thing we do for ourselves, but we give it to the listener. So yeah, that, that I recommend. And that should be pretty straightforward. You've got the tech with the existing timer. What you would have to do is you copy and paste that Lua file and just give, give it a new name so it's unique and then import that, give it a new text thing in OBS, give it a 50 minute timer instead, um, may, give it longer actually. Um, and what would the countdown be? So it would be, so you'd make three like that. And all of the three, the, the end time that it's counting to would be down from start time or whenever time to first break. And then you've got a separate break timer. Then you got a second segment timer, second segment break timer, third segment timer. So that's how it would be laid out. So you're kind of like copy pasting that one script multiple times. OBS has this really nice script that I found and it's pretty straightforward to use, but it's kind of like, it's a little bit awkward because in order to set up multiple timers, you have to copy the script and kind of make new unique scripts. It's going to be annoying when the script uh, updates. I mean, annoying, not hard or anything like that. At any rate, so so that would be nice so that I never have to ask because my brain doesn't necessarily pay attention to time properly. Okay, so speaking of brain, um, for some reason my household doesn't have all of the teaspoons that it ought to, and I think it's I think it's uh, they just kind of they walk off because we've had other people living here with like we rent and so I it's it's weird because I was like making oatmeal the other day and I'm I know and I I, lo I lost time for a second because I was like meditating in the kitchen while I was making oatmeal and I paused I'm like I was using a spoon because because I, I need to use a spoon to eat like to eat the oatmeal in the first place so i had a spoon but i was initially using the spoon to like pull out some brown sugar and so i pull it this so i i add brown sugar but then i microwave it so i have to put the spoon somewhere and I, while it's microwaving i'm looking around from for my teaspoon i'm like did i just reflexively wash the thing and put it away in the dish rack because i do that lots that's one of the reasons why everything is clean after i'm cooking it's while I'm cooking, I will be washing the things that I'm done with while I'm waiting for things to begin to heat, while I'm doing, you know, while I'm doing whatever. And so I went looking for my spoon there. There are no wet teaspoons there. My, I'm looking around, looking around. Did I leave it in the sugar thing? Did, and it, it just vanished. <laughs> it just vanished. And I found it today. I found it today. And I know for a fact that I did look, but I found it in the bag of oatmeal. I just kind of like stuck it in there and then sealed it up after. Now so I went looking in that bag by like using my hands and like, like smashing it together. But apparently my hands went smashed together and like the spoon was right there, like right there in the bag and my hands touched either side of it. And I still didn't notice. It's like, Oh, the dumbest thing. Well, that's me. So, I mean, and it, it wasn't like a, 
I'm not fuzzy in the morning. Like some people are fuzzy when they don't have their coffee or something like that. But, uh, and I'm, I'm not like that ever. Um, it was just me being dumb. <laughs> I just have to get used to me being me. Um, speaking of me being me. Uh, so it, it does play off of the oatmeal thing. Um, so I, I like cinnamon on my oatmeal. Uh, and if, but if you like cinnamon on anything, really, if it's not, if you're baking with it, you can maybe get away with cheap stuff. But if you're doing something uh, subtle that you directly experience, like an oatmeal, or if you uh, like put, like some people will put a cinnamon stick in their tea, stuff like that. And if you do something like that, like use a sprinkle of it, make absolutely sure that you get the best quality cinnamon you can because it makes a really big difference at any rate. So I've, I've got cinnamon um, that's old and I don't even know if that matters. So maybe, maybe I'm going to eat my hat over that one. But I've got cinnamon and I have to go into the cupboard and it's got like a little spice rack. And so I reach for my cinnamon and I realize that right next to my cinnamon is a bottle of cayenne pepper and it's in a it's in a little glass jar that's exactly the same as cinnamon now they're labeled they're labeled but i just know that somewhere in some parallel universe there would be a life lesson where i've sprinkled cayenne pepper on my oatmeal that would that would be the i mean maybe i'd like it but you didn't but try it i i have not tried that Will you try it? Uh, I don't... I mean, cayenne doesn't... I don't say that cayenne would have a flavor. I've added in... I mean, it's got a lot of vitamin C, so there's a reason that you might want to add it to some stuff. But uh, cayenne pepper and oatmeal, maybe that's like a lunch thing. <laughs> if it's a hot day and you want to sweat, maybe that's it. I... Uh, no, no. Um... I've been learning to fry. I can't. I can't remember their name. Oh, the little potato wedges with cheese inside. What are those called anyway? I should. I throw out the packages. So I can't pierogies? remember. That's it. Pierogies. <laughs> I don't know. I, for some reason, I can't remember that word. It's just. I keep. I, my brain keeps reaching for burrito. I'm like, that's not even close. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, uh, so. I've been learning to make um, burritos and I just perfected, I, I pan fry them. Um, I know, I know one guy, what he does is he boils them first and then he pan fries them. But I don't like the idea of, of having something wet that you're trying to fry because you have to have higher heat and it sputters all over the place. And I know he'll probably just put a lit, lid on the pan to, to hold it in. But then, uh, so I don't do it like that. What I do is I use ghee which is, a, a in my case, it's Indian. It's a clarified butter. And I believe it's only made with the... It's not made with the milk solids. Those are skimmed off. And it does have a flavor in this sort of thing. But in this particular case, it's good for cooking because it's got a high smoke point. Now, I don't, I don't fry on high heat with these. That was the trick. That was the mistake I was using before. Is I'm using quite moderate heat. And lowering it later in the cooking process like a lot of people will use high heat to bring things to a boil and then they'll they'll lower the heat and that that's correct but a lot of people do not lower the heat enough 
especially when they're pan frying. So you can actually have a certain amount of heat, but the pan hasn't absorbed as much heat as it will. So uh, later in the cooking process, the pan will absorb more and more and more heat until it becomes too hot at that temperature. That initial heat was appropriate for kind of starting things off. But if you want to have things, you know, sputtering and frying at the same consistent temperature, you would actually turn the heat down underneath the pan later in the process. So that's one trick that I learned. And the other is, you know, the moderate heat and that and that clarified butter makes it crispy and just the right kind of, of tanned. Uh, it's, it's really wonderful. And I, I thought that up because it isn't, I don't put cayenne pepper on that, but I do have this, uh, I don't, I can't call it hot sauce. So it's kind of like that. Oh, I mean, it's kind of, it's almost like that dipping sauce that you might get if you go to a bar and you've got dipping sauce for potato wedges or something like that. That That's the closest thing I have to it. It's like a zero calorie keto friendly hot stuff. And, uh, it's, I don't know that I can say it's good because I'm not going to buy any more of it, but I am eating it to to have it and to experiment with hot food, right? So hot food is not something I ever go out of my way to get. So if there's three choices of chicken wings, like bland and spicy and and hell, I could get the spicy and be fine. Right. So, and this is something that is, is hotter than spicy. It's a little bit out of my comfort zone that I'm trying that I, I mean, I don't like it, but like, like I've said before, I mean, even if I burn it, I'm going to eat it. Um, unless it's horrible and this stuff isn't horrible. Uh, but, but I'm trying it and it happens to be quite good with pierogies. And what I did also discover, which might make me, um, it might make me buy more of this stuff because it's got a long shelf life. It doesn't need to be refrigerated. And what make, might make me change my mind is it actually works really, really well. I'm growing green onions on my, my balcony. And just just kind of like you, you soak them in water for a while. They regrow their roots. Like You buy them from the convenience store. And after they have roots, you can plant them. And you just have to make sure that there's a really good hole so that you can plant them right down. And the other trick is actually planting them before the roots are very, very long so that the roots are just a little bit longer. So it's a nice, healthy plant. You can plant it. And then the roots do have a maximum length they grow to. And you want that maximum length to actually penetrate into the soil. If you've got a full length root, because it was in a glass on your windowsill for forever, you'll, you'll have to figure out how to bury that plant with the full length roots all pointing kind of down, which is hard. Like you end up digging kind of, cause this is one tiny little stalk of, of green onion. And you have to figure out how to dig a really deep shaft of dirt out of there and plant this thing. And it was just hard for me to figure that out. So I know I've got like roots that are going the wrong way and stuff. So if you want really good, healthy green onions, transplanting them, yeah, you have to do it earlier than you might think. Anyhow, so I, I cut off the greens. And the greens are, I know people that cut them right down to the soil, right down to the white. So they have some of the white as well. I'll probably experiment with that to see what happens. 
see if it dies off or whatever. Um, and uh, but cutting the greens is makes this stuff really good, really tasty, really kind of fresh. And I put I learned because I put I just like poured the entirety of the pan and the pierogies into a bowl with this stuff, and it, there was excess butter that was just melted and it was just liquid. It's it kind of acts like oil, so it's it's more runny than an oil would be. And I just added all of that, and that butter actually muted a lot of the hot in the in the sauce. For, I guess I can call it at that point. And it was quite good, quite good. The entire affair was really accidentally interesting. And so I might actually try to make that a thing, try to make that like a recipe for this. Because the pierogies are like $3 Canadian for, uh, for, a, for a box, for like a dozen. And that's enough for two solid snacks. Um, and treating it like this, it's a meditative process to actually cook this stuff. Take some time. You got to poke at it. Got to think about it. Right? Got to do it right. So it's kind of a nice break from stuff to go go cook. You're on a weekend. It's afternoon. You're kind of lazy. Um, it's not appropriate if you want something quick. So I actually made like a meal pan, and I made a lot more on the side, and those are in the fridge. I'm going to see what happens to them if they've been refrigerated. I, I don't think they're going to go, they're going to stay crispy. I just don't know what's going to happen if I microwave them to heat them back up again, or things like this. So I'm, experiment, I'm experimenting with that. These are cheap. The green onions I make, I grow myself. And this uh, sauce, this hot stuff is, it's, it's also really remarkably inexpensive, certainly for the amount of use I get out of it. So, this might be an interesting, inexpensive, I don't know that I would call it healthy necessarily, because the pierogies have like a fake cheese. And as soon as you have something like that, you have to watch out for modified milk ingredients. But I think this stuff is actually good, which is a little surprising. So this, this I think, is going to be in my toolkit. Now I need to practice like having, I'll eat just one thing <laughs> so i'll make a meal out of just uh, just pierogies that's it and i i should probably have something on the side i'm just not very good at eating more than one thing in one sitting um at any rate since i'm on the topic of of food i do want to talk about our experience with water because we had talked about this before hadn't we i can't remember a few um, times and so we had the misadventure with water that was kind of nasty and it was just awful. It was this, it was this kind of, yeah, it's bacteria. There was, there was a, a taste to it. So to summarize quickly, we got it replaced, but the replacement um, smelled and tasted chemically. And if we left it on the counter for a while, which is a thing I, I do to test water, if you get it from the tap, just sit it on the counter overnight, come back, smell it, and taste it. If it's even worse, you know, it's like some process has happened to the water that makes it taste acceptable coming out of the tap, but that off gases or wears off somehow. And the next day, it's, it is its true revolting self, its authentic form. 
and I did that with this water and it's, it was so bad. It gave me this kind of chemical aftertaste that lasted a huge chunk of the day. It was bad. So we went back and got it replaced. Uh, they gave the excuse that, oh, oh uh, new piping, we're in a new location, blah, blah, blah. Fine, we get new water. I mean, the water's pretty cheap. It's like, is it still like 4 or $5 a, for a five-gallon I don't know. Container? I have a tab with them. Yeah, exactly. I think we buy 10 bottles at a time. To get it delivered, it's 10 bottles at a time, $90, including shipping. Um, we don't get, I mean, we can't store them, but you get a minimum three bottles delivered you know on tuesdays or whatever the heck it is right um but going and picking it up is a lot cheaper and so we got the replacement the replacement also was terrible not quite as terrible as before but it's still i think it was just tap water i maintain that um you know tap water from a different location in the city but still tap water right so did all the tap water stuff and it was revolting. So we went to a new place, a new, new place. And uh, that water is good. I mean, we did this entire process of cleaning the, the entire thing yet again. And uh, everything's great. Everything's great again. I like water. I like drinking straight water now. I've got a gigantic, I, I don't know, it's too big to be a, a stein, but it's a gigantic handled glass thing that I could probably kill somebody with. With a, with a straw just because i'm silly and i could sit it there for three days and it would still taste absolutely fantastic tipping out of it um anyhow i hmm? nothing um anyhow i brought that up because i i'm a tea snob and i decided to make my tea just to see what would happen just because of the the recent experiences with water made me think about it again. I made tea with that, that bottled water and it made a huge difference, like a, a big difference. And it, it had actual flavor and all this kind of stuff. I think my taste buds are kind of wrecked because I've been eating all this hot food. So I kind of need to, I need to think about this a little bit more. And it made a big difference in the tea. And the thing about tea is I'm not very good at drinking it very fast and I'm not comfortable microwaving it. I don't know. Some, something in me tells me that something is being wrecked if I microwave it, uh, which is probably true, but I'm, I probably couldn't tell the difference anyway. So I tend to take so long that it goes kind of lukewarm halfway through. It was great when I was drinking green tea, a certain kind of green tea that they don't make anymore, which would be just as good if you overbrewed it if you leave the tea bag in it until it goes cold if you leave it overnight amazing it never goes bitter like i'm salty that i can't have a lifetime supply of that because i'd just be drinking that anyhow this tea is is not not like that but it's still very good and i can't quite finish it so i had it sitting on the counter it was still warm when i picked it up and finished it I kind of forced myself to and uh, there was a ring around it a ring like halfway down, which makes me, I don't like that because I know that, that that is in me when I drink it. And I don't know how weird that's going to be in the body. Probably, I mean, it's probably meaningless, right? Um, it, but it, that is probably part of the bitterness of drinking tea. But it, it left a ring. It's like, oh, that wasn't my mug. <laughs> I, was just, I was just stealing somebody else's mug. Like, oh, 
So the thing with cleaning porcelain, let's say in general, but it's also very good with pots and pans is I've got a little dish, a little like a tiny Tupperware thing so that I have a lid on it of baking soda. And baking soda is baking soda is bloody cheap, like surprisingly cheap. You can buy them in one kilogram boxes on uh, from Amazon. Just have it delivered. It's an add-on, and I think you can buy them one box at a time. I think they're like a dollar and a half Canadian each, which is ridiculous. So it's it's like a buck for the Americans. It's probably like a dollar for a pound of it, and that's a crazy amount. And and so you you take some of that and you put it on your sponge and you scrub things with it. If it's if you've got an oily pan or something like that, cool the pan off, like flip it over and run ever decreasing temperatures of water over it. Other if you if you just put cold water on it, you'll probably warp your pan eventually. Um, so you would like put pour you would flip it upside down on the bottom of the pan. You'd do hot water and then change it to warmer and then cooler. And then you'd actually sprinkle some baking soda and using the pads of your fingers, you rub it around and give it a rinse and then do it again if it's bad. And that that stuff adds just enough abrasion and it's soft on like, you can be vicious on stainless steel and it will not scratch it at all. The finest finish, it won't do anything. So this stuff is perfect. And the reason it's not in your dish soap is not some conspiracy to make you buy more dish soap is because this would just, uh, it's a, it would be a sediment. It would settle out of your detergent and you can't exactly shake it around to mix it back in again. And, and they're not going to really advertise that you can use this stuff to, to stretch out their dish detergent. So you do not need to soak your stuff anymore. Some things you can soak a little bit because it's really easy. But if you have to soak something for more than a minute, you're probably cooking something wrong or um, you should be using some baking soda. And just, I know there are going to be ladies who are like, I'm not rubbing that stuff with my fingertips because pretty princess and you've got nice nails. And so you don't want to, which is fine. I'm totally on board with that. But you can use the the pads of your fingers. And it's not... Um, just like it's not going to, it's not going to scratch stainless steel. It's not going to do anything to your fingertips either. Um, but mind you, I'm a dude, and I've got measurably thicker skin. I'm not delicate or anything. So try it. But absolutely try it. It will change your dishwashing experience. And try it with a sponge and soap as well. And you're away you go. Okay. So, so. Wowzers. Um, I I want to talk about the lavender very slightly. Maybe we can make a decision. So we've got parking on the front of our street. And Minion had the, the trolling idea, which I think is hilarious. But now we need to think about it. Of planting lavender, which is a everybody even... It's weird. Everybody knows the word lavender. <laughs> and if you point at this and go lavender, they're like, oh, yeah, that's totally lavender, even though they've never seen the thing before. They're, they'll kind of recognize it. Um, and we're thinking about planting it. And the thing is, if you planted like all along that area, you can because we don't want people parking. How do I explain? We, we don't want people because we have idiots with giant like... Uh, these giant 
four by fours, like absolutely astonishing with big wheels. And they'll park like they'll ride up onto like the side of a property and stuff like that to get off the street. And that would be wonderful, except they're tearing stuff up and we're sick of it and it costs money or has effort involved to clean up after that. And I talked to a neighbor down the street and they've got like, they had one of these lawns that made it right down to the edge of the road and they had no curb there. And so people would constantly do that and they clip across if they're, if they're um, like, if it's the city that has one of these shoveling trucks that comes by that truck might actually clip their property and just like tear up their irrigation and stuff like that. And it was just awful. <laughs> so it was really awful. So he ended up like putting rocks down, but that's not good enough for a lot of people who will just drive up and park. We've got something, a problem similar. And if we planted lavender there, there's nobody that can drive up there and, and you just don't drive on lavender. That's the thing. Maybe people would disrespect grass, um, but but not flowers. That's like, even manly men wouldn't do that. So it'd be a, a really trollish way to prevent people like without having to, I would just want it to put down rocks, like big boulder rocks so that idiots will clip them and wreck their car. And then we just, and they can come knock on my door and I'll first, I'll scare the shit out of them. Pardon my language. And second, second, I would laugh at them for just being a bad driver and they can, they can complain all they want, but I know the city's just going to like shrug. <laughs> Would you like to press charges? <laughs> Would you like to take this person to court? You know, it's not like it's your fault. Maybe, maybe uh, I'll, they can take me to court and then I'll just say, well, you know, they should pay me for the damages to my rock. I need to get that replaced. <laughs> it was in mint condition. It was collectible. Uh, it's a little bit of archaeology. Um, I would do that, but lavenders is a great idea. So two problems with that, though. First, um, people do park there, which is fine. I mean, if they park correctly, it's fine. And if, uh, as long as they don't, like, block a driveway or something dumb, you know the people that, that park on an angle? They <laughs> just block the road and, and park up on, on top of a property. Um, I don't mind if they park properly and park there. And the thing is, if if we just plant a field of lavender there, I, I would think it's, I would, I would set up one of those like bird watching cameras there so that I can see the expression on somebody's face when they park up. There's a whole lot of lavender and the passenger has to open their door and there's just lavender there. And they're like, well, no, now they have to get out of the driver's side because nobody's going to step on the lavender. Some people might not care. I, well, I would, go and key their car because i mean you, but you fight the for passenger well i go okay well <laughs> i mean it's like if if your 14 year old child goes and and throws a rock through somebody's window the parent is to blame the kid is just a kid right it's like blaming a misbehavior like, it is it's it's you know when your pet bites someone you you dislike the pet and you, you might think ill of the pet, but it's the owner's fault. And it's the same thing with you know, a parent and a misbehaving child. It's the same thing with the owner driver of the car and their passenger. I, I would, I mean, obviously keying is destruction of property and I would never promote doing some, something like that, but it would be, uh, that's the person I would get angry at. 
because they're they're um, supposed to be the, the the keeper of their passengers. And so just like if they had a drunken misbehaving passenger like leaning out and screaming out the window or something weird, it's the driver needs to be the responsible one. Like they need to be the sober one obviously. So the same thing with lavenders, I would I would get mad. The other the other more interesting thing would be to have roses <laughs> just make them thorny or uh raspberries raspberries you couldn't stop them from growing everywhere even if you wanted to you would have to dig up you would have to get like heavy machinery and dig up everything everywhere to get rid of raspberries you can't they're a horrifying weed that just keeps spreading everywhere and they're thorny thorny as heck and maybe they'd attract birds which would poo all over cars which would be hilarious Uh... and it it wouldn't be our responsibility. It's it's like that one tree. Every neighborhood has that one tree that birds love. And if you're dumb enough to park under it, you'll get rained on. Because it's the social hub for all the birds in the area. <laughs> for some reason, right? It's it's the Facebook of trees. And uh, it's about as terrible as Facebook is. So so it just rains there. Um, it, it would be hilarious to actually promote that. But, I mean... The thing we're about to go on break, right? So yeah. the, the thing about lavenders is because of their massive root system, you have to be careful about where you plant them because you have to dig a big hole, which you can't do near the side of a road almost ever because that's where the city is going to run all of its utilities. Even though it, it, some of it might be quite deep, call before you dig. Uh, something like an internet connection is probably going to be a lot closer to the surface. And they're real jerks about if you damage their stuff, they they will hold you liable and blah the expense. So maybe gigantic raised beds or uh, like the half barrels or whatever that you can put the stuff in, that would be that would be awesome. And you you plant them every so often, like that. That way there are these spaces where you the driver has to only park in those spots. And then heck, I I paint lines in the road just to be just to be weird just pretend like it's a parking area and manage where everybody goes and make sure they can't nudge over onto these barrels of stuff. That would be a pretty good idea. I have some more things I want to talk about. Um, so third, third segment again, we're going to wait to talk about uh, administrivia is what I'm calling it. So before I, before I forget, there's a couple more things that I wanted to talk about regarding the gardening stuff. Um, other than dealing with the roots for lavenders means that they have to have a lot of depth. And that depth would require too much space for out near the curb because it might, there's a lot of stuff that's there. And so it might be a good idea to put them in giant barrels or something like that to kind of control where they are. But still, I'm a little bit worried about, you know, what happens if the city or some utility of some sort has to get underneath that stuff? I mean, big barrels are not easy to move. And if they're small enough that they can be carried by people, then they would be carried off by people. We don't really have that problem, but maybe if it was heavy enough for two people, like handless or something like that, maybe, maybe we can get them out of the way. That would be, you know. There are solutions. There are solutions. So 
the other thing I wanted to talk about is I'm uh, I went looking around for places to buy like gardening related stuff because I had been thinking about it and I wanted to pursue it this this year but I don't know that I'll be able to for various reasons um, and so I went looking to buy a good shovel because we were doing a bunch of shoveling related stuff and and our soil is kind of terrible so I was thinking of digging it all up and replacing it and I did all kinds of research for where how to throw away dirt and what service we could use and how I would get different kinds of dirt delivered and apparently there are different kinds which was kind of I mean, you learn something and you knew some of it all along, right? But you only realize it when you're actually there. So I kind of knew in me somewhere that there were different kinds of soil. <laughs> but but when you're facing a store page that lists prices for different stuff, you're like, oh, yeah, there's there's like different kinds, I guess. And there's all different sorts of like stuff that you would add to existing soil and it's really complicated and actually pretty expensive depending on what combination of stuff you want to get and replacing the soil in a yard. Wow. That's uh that's an endeavor. That's, that's something challenging. So it's, it's one thing to put like an inch of something nice there so that you can grow grass or whatever the heck. And it's another thing to dig everything out and like dig several inches out and then replace all of that. It's, ah, a challenge anyhow so i bought my nice huge long handled shovel and make sure it's a good hardwood handle and there's going to be a rating for how much strength you can put on it so like this thing can handle 230 pounds or something like that which means that i could lean my weight on it so it's so it's really good and because it's long you get good leverage and i got a handle that i could attach to it I just haven't done that yet because I don't know if I need to. Anyway, so I bought this from a company called Lee Valley, which I'll link. And uh, that's not an endorsement. They're not paying me for that. But they had free shipping, free cross-Canada shipping. And so I bought like a $20 shovel and made them pay the shipping for it just to see what they were like. And it was like a kid's shovel. It was a little thing. So it's like a really... It, it is literally a miniaturized shovel, like a shovel shovel, not a trowel or anything like that. And so I've got that, which has actually come in handy a couple of times. And then later I, I bought a couple more times from them. And it, they've got free shipping over $30. So it, it's really good. But I also signed up to their newsletter just to see what, what it was like. You know, it's one of these things, well, you maybe get a discount or something like that, right? But... They send out these really, really well-crafted with pictures, like gardening stuff. And the last one that I got was on something called rewilding. And rewilding is a different perspective on, I, I would say something like land management. Now, I am, I don't like lawns. I find them to be a kind of, arrogant oppressive thing to do and it suppresses nature about as much as paving does so it removes a lot of the the natural life that would be there it it, it essentially takes away habitat so you've got cities that are basically like desert that don't have 
livable space for something like butterflies, for example. You're not going to see them in cities in most places. There might be backyards that act as oases if a person thinks about it like that. What ends up happening is a lot of places have a lawn out front and maybe they've got something out back. Rewilding is the notion that a space can be turned back into something with low maintenance, preferably very local plants that can just go and, I mean, maybe you would need to do some weeding and stuff like that, but there's a lot of stuff which is is self-maintaining even against weeds. And so something like, like for some reason, stuff's not really growing near the lavender, and there's this, there are other patches of stuff where weeds just won't grow up because they're crowded out way too well by whatever else is growing there. And there's bushes and stuff like that. And so Lee Valley sent like a blog article thing talking about rewilding, which I've, I've never heard of before. And it's, it's interesting to think about. And I'm wondering if maybe that's the sort of philosophy I should have in mind for a, for a backyard space where it would, there would be stuff that is growing and it would be curated and carefully placed, but it wouldn't be one of these offensively managed spaces where it's like the bushes are trimmed in just the right shape and this color matches that color and you've, and it's, but it would, it would be a little bit more, um, it would be closer to erratic and, you know, put, put like circular stones down to have a path to walk through and i still kind of want my peonies but maybe now i want lavender as well or something like there's possibilities and i like thinking about that kind of stuff and these guys prompted me prompted me to think about these things and before i i stop talking about gardening is um i'm getting shipped in this coming week a, a quick connect for my hoses it's going to let me very easily adapt new stuff for my garden hose or, or move my garden hose to another tap if I really wanted to. And I'm getting the pipe tape in and the plumber's grease and all this kind of stuff. So I think I can do that really well. And that's because I bought from Lee Valley this solid brass. Um, it's a water beater. What it is is something like a pressure hose, pressure attachment. And all that is for, if, for a garden hose. All that is, is a, a really, really constrained little, uh, little spout. And you get something like that on a lot of good, um, like good nozzle attachments. But this one is, is much finer. And what, what it's made for is you would turn it on and while you're pushing down into the soil next to uh, a root system for something like dandelion, you end up drilling down next to the root system and dandelions are like one long root that has great depth but not a lot of branching and so you would put this down in two or three places around this root and if you've got a certain kind of soil maybe just one place and you would blast the water away from that big root and you loosen it all around it and you're just using water and you'd just be able to pull it up because it's got nothing to hold on to anymore and so once that space gets turned into, unfortunately, a lawn and the soil is maybe uh, dug up a little bit and turned so it's a little looser, 
um, I'll be able to weed really easily. So I've got this attachment, which means I'll be able to switch between the, the weeding thing and like a regular garden hose uh, nozzle. And maybe we'll have a sprinkler down or something like that so that we don't have to bother setting up the, like there's irrigation in that space, but, um, but it costs money every winter. It would cost money to blow it out so that the water is removed so that uh, it doesn't freeze or cause problems during the winter. But so if you just have a sprinkler, you just every once in a while go out there and, and hose the place, which I might do, like go out there at five in the morning, sprinkle stuff. I like doing that kind of thing. See my previous discussions on being a morning lark. You just get, you get stuff like this done <laughs> instead of like watching TV at night. Hmm. Okay, I'm done. Okay, I'm done. So I, I want to be a nerd for a bit. So first is um, I, I have had on my to-buy list getting a, a wireless adapter thing. So I've got a controller, an Xbox controller, an Xbox One controller. And I bought that so that I could play uh, Borderlands 2 on the PC because I had been used to it on um, on the Xbox and I actually went through uh, the procedure to take I had a uh, I wasn't like a subscriber to Microsoft or anything like that so I had a local profile on that Xbox that I was able to migrate to a USB stick to pull it to my desktop computer and I had the software to actually pull that profile off and rescue my Borderlands 2 profile from there to play on the PC version of the game so I actually did all that I had a controller so they could have this the authentic experience with Borderlands 2. Now I haven't played that game in a while, and I probably should, you know, pick it back up again. And so what I what I was looking at doing is uh, I had wanted this for a long time. That controller could be turned into a wireless controller. Like it's got it's got the functionality for it, uh, but it's wired and it's got a long wire, and uh, the wire died. So it was a little wonky and it would occasionally disconnect. And so I replaced the wire and the replacement is now dying. So I had more seriously been considering uh, getting like a battery pack for it. And then I would have to get a dongle for like a USB dongle for my computer so that they can connect together. And, and now that I'm thinking of it, maybe I, wish I should think in terms of USB instead of that sort of thing. I'm not sure. I would have to get a new controller, but maybe that would be a smart idea because that would be Bluetooth and it would be universal. And I don't know that I would want to use it on like my phone. That seems kind of strange, but who knows? Who knows, right? Um, it is possible to, to have like games uh, run on a computer and then broadcast out to a phone. So you can be on a couch somewhere else in a different room. And so theoretically, like, uh, I don't think I'd bother with any of that at any rate. To do it or Steam already does it? Does it? Well, I mean, it's like a little screen. I don't, I'm fine with picture mode on a phone. That's the thing on a phone. I guess I could cast it out to a TV and it's like, but again, Bluetooth controller for, I would just use it on my computer anyway. I wouldn't care. Um, so I was, I was thinking of doing all that and I, I 
have it like in my wish list that's right next door to my shopping cart on Amazon. And I was talking to Minion like literally yesterday. Literally yesterday. We're like, I, I bring up this this stuff. And he's like, oh yeah, I, I had an Xbox controller and it was a little bit wonky because it would like auto walk forward. <laughs> it's like, wow. Um, I come back today and, and my my damn controller <laughs> auto walks forward now. You cursed me. <laughs> so so now I'm wondering if my controller's kind of dying. You know, I, I press down to run and then I press forward and maybe I'm aggressive in the, that controller. That stick is a little, little messed up. Uh, I, I don't eat uh, Cheetos while I'm playing or anything like that. So the controller is not going to be filthy inside. So it might be legitimately kind of dying. So I hate you. You probably wrecked my controller. You should you should test your controller again to see if yours just healed and now the problem migrated to mine. I doubt it. <laughs> That's the way my life works. Um, and so I was also thinking, um, which I mean, there's a new Xbox coming out, right? So they they would probably have a refined controller because that's that just seems to be the the thing that all these guys are doing is deciding that for some reason human hands change shape and so they need to have a new kind of controller every generation well it's just um, to make it more they take feedback and such and just improve on it i suppose i'm getting used to the way the thumbs are for the xbox one so one is further down than the other and that gives space for the buttons that's actually that's worked out very well very well for me and i is it i can't remember if it's xbox i I think it's playstation still has the thing where they're they're parallel they're on one horizontal line i can't remember how yeah they're still on the thumb six are on the bottom Hmm. so i'm thinking because there's a new xbox coming out maybe what i should do is wait and get one of those controllers if i were to replace this controller for example if and I'm worried that, because I'm worried if I spend so much money on a battery pack and on a, on a, on a, a special Microsoft branded, um, the Wi-Fi dongle just for that device. If I do all that, well, maybe that's not going to be, that dongle is not going to be compatible with the next generation of controller. I don't know. And I don't know if anybody knows at this point. So I'm wondering, well, maybe I should just kind of make do and uh, get a replacement replacement cable and just you know live and then wait until i can get uh maybe even just a knockoff version of the xbox what is what what is it even called now i don't know the xbox 2 what is the knock new off? xbox called? the what what do you mean knockoff what's i mean a knockoff controller is what i was talking about for whatever the new xbox version is um because there's some some moderate quality less less expensive for third party i don't need like a limited hmm? what for third party controllers or yeah no idea i never I don't... really go go after them uh, don't you i mean don't you have like one of those branded xboxes like this is official Xbox? oh those are those are promotional controllers yeah, well, that's what I'm talking about. By the company still. still. So those, they're yeah. still... They're first party, yeah. Yeah. So, 
but as I was saying about the dongle, I'm not sure if the next box one dongle will work for a newer generation of controller. I'm worried about that. It should be fine. Honestly, I, I, it's Microsoft. I'm not going to trust them. I'm not sure how things are going to work. Well, um, they've made, and I will argue this for them unless they somehow um, do something against it, but their gaming division has gone a long ways. Yeah, I've heard positive things about them. Certainly the pricing structures is really intriguing. Um, they With the, the idea of a flat fee and access to a, an array of games, I like that a lot. I still like the ability to download my stuff, so I have my stuff. I'm kind of big on that. Um, I still don't know if Steam is ever going to make good on its promise of letting you download all of your games. So if the Steam service dies, then you actually own the stuff you paid for, and it no longer tries to authenticate with Steam. I mean, if it's an online game, then you know the servers might not be available if Steam goes away. But for a single-player game, certainly, I would want to have all my stuff. It's just the archivist nature of me. Not that I would have the hard drive. Not that anybody would have the hard drive space, unless you're working for the the Internet Archive and you've got access to petabytes of storage space just for a Steam library. <laughs> that would be awesome. Um, this morning, I actually... So I'm fiddling with my phone a little bit. Still? Every day. I, hmm? Still? Well, yeah. Iterative improvements. Did um, you actually do something well with it while you were outside? Uh, actually, yeah, I actually even went out like walking at three in the morning or something just to see what things were like at night, check for eye strain. I wanted to check the, the, cause it's got some intelligent, uh, like low light assisting photography. It's kind of, it's got AI built in to help That's... enhance stuff at night. So I was testing that. Um, it, it fuzzes out at a distance, but it, it can do, I don't, I, honestly, I've got nothing to compare it to, so I don't know if it's good or not. My previous phone was worthless in poor lighting and all the previous phones I've ever seen, all the previous, uh, cameras I've ever seen have been terrible at night. You get the grainy, grainy images. And although it is possible to clean a lot of that stuff up, if you know what you're doing, um, I don't plus, uh, plus this phone's got, well, I mean, I'm not like painting every pixel that's snowy, but there's software that can help with that kind of stuff. I just, just like there's software that can help do photo restoration or coloration or uh, all this kind of magic. I love the new technology that can take like old four frame a second stuff and increase it to 60. One guy did that um, with a kind of experimental processes, uh, taking this old, I'm not going to go look this up, but it was an old train video. It's just a, at a, at a uh, train station and it was terrible and it was low quality. It was a little jerky and, you know, it, it was old timey stuff. And he actually took that and cleaned it up and pointed an AI at it, and had it and had it 
fill in frames until he literally made it. I don't think he made it 4K, but he made he made it you know 1080p 60 frames a second, and it it was fantastic. Still had a little bit of the the because the filming at the time has problems with the pacing of the filming as it happens. So there's a little bit of, of weirdness. So it still had a little weirdness. Um, he forgot to do the shake removal. So like when a camera tilts a little bit as it's filming, your scene kind of wobbles. He, he forgot to eliminate that, which is a shame. I would have just scrubbed the entire thing and done it from scratch and put that in. Like, cause I'm like that. But uh, I love the AI stuff. So this phone has, well, something, right? And so it seemed, it seemed okay. I just, what do I know, right? So I've been going through my phone and I found ways of, of freezing and disabling and uninstalling all manner of stuff that's normally built into the phone. All this Google-related garbage that I've been, just like disabling and I've just, I've been expecting to break my phone and need to like reinstall it to reflash it. It's got that functionality built right into it. So I'm not concerned about like, I can't break it doing what I'm doing, but I can break the operating system so that certain functionality just doesn't work anymore. Like, oops, I uninstalled like uh, networking related stuff. So my Wi-Fi just stops. Like that's the worst damage I could do. So I've been fooling around and there's actually a feature. So if you, so this is Android 10, right? So if I were to hold click on uh, an icon somewhere, so on a, on an app icon, if you, if you tap and hold, you get a menu and you can actually press the I at the top to get the app info for that particular thing really easily, or you can look at your list of apps and if you click on advance, you know, tap advanced, there is an option for battery. And what's fascinating about the battery is there is a feature in there called background restriction for the app able to use the back, the battery in the background. So you can force stop and freeze apps if you wanted to. There's even apps that will help you do that, that will automate the process. So like it'll, it'll be like, well, you haven't, actively launched Facebook in however many days, like seven days, maybe you set it to. So it freezes that app. So it can't do anything anymore. So you can have functionality like that, which I experimented with. But in this particular case, you can actually change the settings of a program. So it doesn't have permission to use the battery. <laughs> this is when it's not run, when it is not the selected task, it can't use the battery. So I'm thinking that if I go through every single program that I have on this thing and, and make none of them able to use the battery, except for like, you know, your clock, maybe your calendar, stuff like this, your phone, then you might actually save a battery. You, you will not have a whole lot of software kind of spinning its wheels in the background. So if you didn't want to be disturbed by Twitter and Facebook and on and on and on and on, when your phone is has its screen dark and it's off. Um, you can set all of those things to not notify you under certain circumstances. But this feature sucks the power literally out of those applications. So it can't do anything while your phone is 
is like that is doing other stuff. So it's an interesting thought, but there is battery optimization stuff, which will know which is the active task and will optimize functionality for that and restrict it for everything in the background. I don't think that's the same thing, but it is, uh, it is, it is interesting. It doesn't seem to be available on much of anything. It gives me a terrible list. Yeah. Anyhow. So, so that was fascinating to have bumped into, uh, yesterday, I think it was. So, um, what else can I talk about? And I had an equalizer app that just stopped working. So I had to switch to something else, which that worked out because the thing I switched to is better. So you never know. Uh, every problem might be an opportunity, I suppose. And I guess before, oh man, I could go on with this phone, partly because I'm still learning a lot of stuff, but, uh, so a long time ago, so there was a website. It's still kind of around. It just got bought by something or other else. Um, it was, man, it's one of these extra nerdy, or it was one of these extra nerdy um, tech websites that had strange products of all kinds. I ended up buying a um, one of these NFC blocking wallets. So I have, I have a fancy wallet. It just looks like a regular wallet, but it's fancy. So it, it blocks, it's made. So you normally have a sleeve where you might put like a, if you're worried, you would put a credit card or something in there. Or if you've got special, like if you have an NFC card ID for your employment, you might, when it's not, on, when it's not being worn on you, like a name tag, you might have it in a little pocket. And that pocket is specially designed to make it hopefully entirely unreadable to somebody who's doing something called skimming, which is I can walk past somebody with an NFC reader and it can I can try to interact with any NFC devices they may have. So if that person has NFC running and there is some sort of backdoor in their device through NFC, it's possible to do things like clone a card. Now that Tech, the NFC technology has significantly improved because I, I went looking and you can like do all kinds of stuff with NFC that would prevent these sorts of things. At any rate, these little these little sleeves exist for NFC. They, they've been around for forever, whether or not they're even needed for anything anymore. And so my wallet is is built with that in mind. And I I only recently got NFC and I only just now thought of it, but I I don't know if it works or not. So anyhow, I put, I put my phone in the same pocket that I put my wallet in and I put the phone next to my body with uh, the screen pointing towards the cloth of my pocket. Not, I don't put my wallet up against my screen. And so it's, it's my body, my phone, my wallet, then, then the outside air. And I wear Bluetooth headphones and I was pacing around last night. And I'm not sure if it's where I was walking or if it's a combination of that plus my wallet and the position of the phone. But for some reason, I got audio like hiccups, you know, like you get almost disconnected in Bluetooth where the, the stuff gets choppy. And 
thankfully with this headset um the audio goes choppy it doesn't like pause and then try to catch up with a high speed high pitch version of the what what it lost it doesn't do it just cuts out it so it hiccups and it was actually doing that walking down the street in front of one house it was really weird and i'm actually gonna i'm probably gonna reproduce it next time i go walking late at night or something and, and see if it's like the position of the phone if it's my wallet if it's like that house is some like some like Canadian intelligence services bunker that's doing weird tests for craft like like I don't know what's going on like why why would a region interfere with and it's on the street I was walking down the street why would a region interfere with bluetooth of all things when this phone I can have a microwave on and it's I can like literally hold the phone up to the microwave or put it down on the counter and have have uh normally a microwave would just wreck my bluetooth for my old headset i mean this phone so this hardware is, is good enough why would it happen outside a house that's uh that's a scooby-doo mystery i just thought that was rather yeah <laughs> that's rather weird um oh oh i'm i'm just never not talking about this phone so I remember a couple of shows ago, I was talking about how, because I had literally got the phone like that day, I think, uh, but why it just would mysteriously wake up. <laughs> like, I'm not sure what was happening. It would just wake up on its own. And it has a feature in there where um, if, I don't think there's, I have a feature where if you put it down, it goes to sleep, um, but it has one where if you, rotate it to look at it it will wake up again but that's what's weird is it not only would it not do that consistently like i couldn't figure out what how to turn it and it wasn't some sort of like motion control thing because some phones you wave your hand over it and the motion of that movement at that distance there are sensors that will notice that and it, you so you can like wave over it and it'll wake up it's not any of this like creepy the camera is always on looking for faces it's nothing like that and it's not the even creepier fingerprint thing so it's just one where it will be face down it'll be screen down which sounds like a dumb idea and as soon as you turn the screen over it would wake up like that feature is in there i just don't know how to have it turn off when you flip it down at any rate uh, for some reason it was inconsistent and when it would do it do it on its own when it was on a counter and it would sometimes do it when anyhow i turned the functionality off I don't know who was doing what, but that that that's not even alpha quality stuff. That's it's just it don't work right. Um what else? Missing missing something that I was gonna talk about. Um I it it's Canadian politics though. Yeah, I pro I'm not even gonna talk about Canadian politics because I mean, it's not that there isn't a point, but this is not supposed to be a politically motivated podcast of any sort. And it's not just, well, we're Canadian, right? So I can easily avoid talking about American politics, which kind of spills over into, because because of meme warfare, it gets spilled over into the Canadian internet, so to speak. Uh, we kind of share everything that's in English has to talk about Americans. So it's annoying. I could talk about Canadian politics, but even that is a combination of 
strange or boring or just the edgy version of Canadian politics might be a lot nicer, but it's still not appropriate. So um, the I do want to talk about Destiny briefly. So Minion, you and I still play it. You were saying that you you finally finished off all three of your characters for this entire event. There's one last step, but all three of my characters are there. Didn't uh, this event launch on Tuesday? Yep. <laughs> uh, so much for sleep, right? So yeah. what'd you get for it? Like pretty armor? Yes. Yeah, I think uh, I was looking at the armor and I'm like, yeah, I wanted it. Would I have worked for it? Yeah, I would have worked for it. I do, like, I'll take all of the weird um, bounties and just complete them because they're interesting. I'm... And they don't really give much of a reward. Like, XP is a reward. Ooh. Um, but I'll do them just because they're there to do. It's fun. So I would have pursued this stuff, but you know I can't. See last show, I can't because it's PvP. But um, one of the other things that really bothered me was when... So what it is, is you have to equip this armor for this event, and you're performing certain actions in order to fulfill requirements built into each piece of armor and they're they're different for each piece and so you could you could swap one in at a time and just accomplish the requirements for that particular piece of gear so you'd work on a helmet and then you know when you're done you set that aside and you work on your arms but the thing is every one of those pieces would replace a piece of gear that i currently have which I've gone way out of my way to make, to optimize for the way I play. And so I'm actually giving up. It's not just that I'm wearing like lower armor value armor, uh, and also that I'm forced to look a certain way while wearing that terrible armor, but it's got less functionality. So the act. I mean, most people wouldn't notice it, but the gameplay does change depending on how you build yourself. So I built myself, and I I, I just redid all my, my gear, and I built myself a certain way. And I would have to have not just meet the requirements and fulfill the, the goals of each piece of armor, is I would have to have less fun doing it because I would have my my pieces of gear changed. It's kind of, I mean, I can understand uh, bounties where you have to use this kind of gun and do these things with this gun. I'm like, okay, well, I mean, because I have an interesting version of every single gun, except for a freaking linear fusion rifle. I hate that one. And so I've got all that stuff. So that's kind of cool. But, but taking my, like my double dodge away or something like that, because I'm changing my chest piece out, it's like, Ah, it's awful. That's it. I'm kind of happy that I'm not doing that stuff because I don't like the idea of like taking away my any of that stuff. Um, are you? Oh, um, did you buy the most recent content? Are you playing that, or are you still like doing the old stuff and reading? Buy the most recent content. Yeah, the present expansion, whatever it's called. I had the password. The password? Pass. Seasons pass or whatever. Oh. Yeah, which gave that. I had 
I got the season pass late, <laughs> in, like two seasons ago. And so I got like half of that season and then a new one came out. So I paid more than I should have. Mm. I just didn't pay money for this because I'm not really, they didn't sell it very well to me. I've got too much other stuff I need to do. So it's kind of like ruining my eyesight and spending money to do it. I'm not sure I want to. Anyhow, I'm not doing anything with groups, so it's not meh. Um, yeah, pretty much the rest of my stuff is is getting into the third segment. So we've got a little bit of time. So I'll start with that stuff. Um, I, because of the the watery slash hallway effect of my microphone in my webcam, um, I ate my own dog food, which is I got audio stuff and I went and I processed it and I went and I built clips out of it and I labeled it and I listened to the entirety from one end to the other without any audio treatment. So I got to experience the horror of it. And then I went after doing a lot of that other work is I went and I learned how to do audio cleanup for that specific problem. Now I'm not saying I did it great, but I th it's okay. I mean, it's okay to my ears after going through serious serious effort listening to the entire unaltered stuff so i think i learned a new skill so that that problem got turned into an opportunity and i learned a little bit on how to do the audio cleanup now that doesn't mean that it only applies to the webcam audio i the, the skill set leans a little bit toward what can be done with my current audio so this is my proper microphone microphone the standalone thing in theory the skills that i had learned might be applicable to this microphone i'm not sure how because there are some extremes that happen if you're trying to deal with a microphone like what's the expression the best you can do with cleaning up bad audio is get differently bad audio. So that's what I accomplished. So those same skills applying to good audio from a decent source, I wouldn't use the that desperate skill set. There would be something else. It, but it's a cousin skill set with some of the same sorts of tools. Uh, one of which is I have a habit. So so first is not that Minion talks a lot yet, hopefully, but there's a difference in volume between his audio source and mine. Part of that is if we do get to recording locally and I get to mix them together, because I'm doing a lot of that audio engineering stuff. And if we record them separately, then I can, I can treat the audio channels differently. But in the meantime, like right now, we're mixed together. And his audio source has a different volume than mine. And it's not voice volume. It's just the, the, the it's, a, it's an artifact of what we're using to record our voices. So his got a headset. And it's OK, but it's not, it's not in the caliber of my, not that mine is very good, but it's not in the caliber of what I'm using. And our voices are mixed together which means that he's hard to hear compared to me. And so there's audio cleanup that will pick his voice up 
and it, it makes it's it's a remarkable change it's really good so i want to see if i can do that with this improved audio with this non-webcam audio i might be able to pull that off i'm i'm not sure how and it was a bunch of a bunch of processes that i had seen one guy do a video on and i saw some like with this one blog post that went over things and these are specific these are not universal ideas that I was looking at. I was looking at stuff specific to the software that I use for editing audio, which is Audacity. Audacity has a bunch of a really confusing interface for a bunch of different uh, audio treatment solutions. So I already knew about normalizing, but I, there's like equalizer stuff and compression and, and normalization, and it all has to be done a certain way and in a certain order and with a bunch of different settings and stuff like that. And I'm still, I'm still learning. So one of the advantages that it would give me, other than picking up one quieter source and kind of bringing everything a little bit closer together to the same kind of volume, is I have uh, volume level changes. So sometimes if, if I trail off at the end of one sentence and then I, then I talk loud for the next sentence, the there's a spike of volume that can actually be like annoying for a listener and so there are audio techniques that will that will normalize across all those vo those volumes so that it will it will pinch that outburst and so some of this stuff is really important for people who speak in certain ways because some people have that that cadence of of so either silence or, or quiet areas and then loud or very loud areas. It's kind of like um, editing out a plosive. You get these little spikes that you have to edit. I was doing that occasionally with the volume problems and it's, it's nightmarish. It's, it's really, really difficult. I, I, I do some fade in techniques and I do some weird audio pinching techniques for for the track and it, I don't like doing it, but this is a feature that would just walk across like good normalization would just walk across the entire audio track. And, and it, it's fantastic the way it does it. And it doesn't, doesn't lose any information either. It's really wonderful. So I've learned a little bit about the audio treatment techniques and I mean, that's a plus, that's a plus. So um, before we go on break, I guess the last thing I want to talk about is I noticed that we had an opening playlist. We had uh, music going right at the opening, which was very nice because um, the songs were different. Hopefully you weren't just like uh, breaking the law with pirating some other piece of music and it's going to get us into different trouble or something. But was that um, no copyright sounds? songs that you found yeah i'm just slowly building up a playlist at this point you can actually you can actually make it like a youtube playlist and share it if that's something you want to do but i think just pulling everything offline makes things more reliable it's one less moving part right yeah um but if you wanted to share that playlist so that so that if somebody curious in chat says oh you have this song i, I popped in or we need break music for the same same stuff and they say well what were you playing we can point at the 
we can either I, I wouldn't bother going back to archives and finding that segment of music. I would point them at the playlist and have them just look through and figure out on their own. So it's possible for you to take the playlist of, of uh, the songs that you would use locally, like that you have downloaded. You could make a playlist. You don't need to re-upload. You would just make a playlist referencing the no copyright sounds version of everything. Um, no copyright sounds is starting to do a bit of a crackdown on people that are just re-uploading their stuff uh, because I'm not sure if they can do that actually because although the stuff they produce is is usable their name isn't so people doing straight uploads including their graphics for example they're like they're they're the, the beat that goes on and stuff like that that's animated or that uses their name no copyright sounds or the or ncs anybody that does that kind of stuff they are breaking the law right so they might start going after people doing that so re-uploading their stuff not a good idea but re-uploading their stuff with like different title cards and stuff if you want to but yeah, you just find their stuff, find the version of, from their YouTube channel, so, build it into a playlist. And then... So actually just making a transformative rather than just a straight ripoff? Well, the thing about no copyright sounds is there's no copyright on the sound. So, so you can use the sound. There's no need to, to do like a fair use argument about calling it transformative by adding new artwork. You would just like everything else you would add a link in the description to the to the no copyright sounds version of the video but you yourself could not use the word no copyright sounds or the, or ncs or have any of their artwork so i mean but that's extra work so just build a playlist and point at their video directly and be done with it wash your hands of it and i don't mind um like that's a pretty direct advertisement for them and I don't mind doing that because I think they do fantastic work. Actually, I don't even know how they get paid doing that fantastic work <laughs> if we're not paying for it. Um, so, so yeah. yeah. Um, they might have rules if we're a business or something like that, but technically we're not. Well, I mean, literally we're not, um, especially since we don't have income from, from this. I decided uh, during the break to actually try those pierogies cold, and not not microwaving them, and not. Uh, I mean, some people might re-pan fry them or something weird like that, but I just ate them cold like chips, and uh, they were actually really good. Um, what happens if you put them in Tupperware and seal it up while they're still warm is those they're still kind of venting moisture when they're hot, and so if you if you bottle it all up that moisture kind of still escapes them it fills the container and then it kind of settles on everything so it settles on the inside surfaces of the tupperware because it's cold on the outside of the tupperware and but it also settles down and it kind of makes the it would make whatever's in there a little moist and people who make rice will notice this kind of thing your rice goes all kind of funny but the progies did a little bit of that but they were still quite firm and they were quite good. Um, I considered, but I didn't bother trying to dip them in a the sauce or anything weird like that. So I, I don't know. I mean, this is a, 
this is an interesting idea. It's an interesting idea. I wish I could make these in greater bulk, like in the oven or something like that, where I can have like a couple of racks of these and then just have them refrigerated or whatever the heck and then snack on them during the day. Or like refreeze them, but in cooked form. I don't know. I don't think um, it'd be that great. Probably not. Right? But certainly better than like Hot Pockets. I'm sure saying that is a, a mortal sin. Okay, so I talked about the audio cleanup stuff and I I did want to think about the... I was thinking more about the, how much time it takes to do all the audio cleanup and all the rendering and all the... And it's going to get... It's going to get harder. It's going to get harder. I mean, I'm already spending um, easily four hours processing one of these videos, uh, processing the audio for it. And I'll probably spend a little bit more time um, because I'll be able to pull out some longer things and pull them up into like a separate video, post them on my channel, point it towards this podcast, this kind of stuff. And so because of that, it gets difficult to, to the day after upload even one single clip. Now, sometimes what I've been doing is I've been clipping and providing that kind of thing and, and then getting, getting the rest of it back the next, like that next day so that I can work on the next clips and the full show and stuff. Like it's, it's difficult stuttering back and forth between me doing some stuff, you doing some stuff, me taking so long. So um, my notion is, because I went through our list of stuff and, and there's a lot, and there's a bunch of episodes that are test episodes, including one that should have been uploaded, but wasn't because Minion isn't very bright. And so one of the clips got put up and then the actual process began. So there's like one lost full show and then a few lost um, like test test recordings. And they're significant. Like they were a couple of hours at least. And they're really, really thick with our early conversations about processes and some of the ideas. When we were forming some of the, the notions of what the philosophy would be behind speaking live, like how it would work, how it would look. Like right now, this is this is some text and we're just voicing over stuff. But there was a notion of just having us with cameras on us, which is still doable, but we were forced into other circumstances for doing the recording and, and on and on and on. So it evolved into this, but we still have that earlier conversation about other ideas, which would be valuable valuable for some some people that would want to set up their own thing which we're not an expert so while we're bumbling along people could learn from that uh, learn that it's not as well <laughs> it's differently hard than it sounds right so we're learning as we go and you know you hear about all kinds of stuff for other people's efforts but um, you never really hear about what they're thinking is during it. So that a lot of the lost episodes have that. So it's actually valuable to put it up there. And I was thinking that because it takes so long for us to process a show and put it up, and we have all these lost episodes, what I could do is I could go back to them, scrub through, 
and pick out the stuff that is the, the best of of that stuff and provide those lost shows and the clips for those lost shows and what we would do is we would take the entirety of your our upload schedule and we would shift it by one week that way our live stuff we would have more time to actually upload it like we would have well i wouldn't spend more than an extra three days of relaxation but there would be more time and in this dead air that we have for the next week let's say i would be adding the lost footage now what that means is that people who get to listen to this live and potentially interact with with us live would get to see things one full week earlier than everybody else and it's it's not my intention to reward people who are at our live stuff but i mean it just turns out that that's a lot easier for us to to deal with the amount of effort that we have to put in what are your what are your thoughts on that kind of delay a full week that seems a bit much i mean i don't i don't want to pull out a spreadsheet and figure out what a different schedule would be so right now we're kind of shifted by what uh, uh, that's the thing so what we're talking about now would get rebroadcast um on next tuesday so a day before the next show and for it to be shifted anymore would be a little weird like theoretically what shift it until the day after and so we would have like today full live show tomorrow clip so that's monday tuesday clip wednesday full show thursday rebroadcast and then clip from wednesday clip from wednesday like we could shift it until like a couple of days out kind of thing that might be doable but i i'm finding it very difficult to to process everything for a clip the next day that's my problem okay so so shifting the live stuff so that the 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 contribute the contributions from the live show before it makes it to the channel or wherever is just time shifted a little bit more well do you want to just skip the skip the day after the stream don't leave well we could just have dead space or dead days where after the one the day after the stream oh. so it's not too bad so like no clip the day after yeah i the thing is um i feel it's really important for visibility to have content every day um, as much as three things every day because well, after three be nice but if it's if it's already hampering you then why well that's the thing it wouldn't be a problem if the if the live experience was delayed a little bit that's the thing so if my responsibility for getting things ready tomorrow was out was was gone that would be enough that would be what i'm looking for because tomorrow i would still spend all day doing stuff but it would eliminate the deadline for me plus giving things to you plus the deadline for you what i would be able to do is tomorrow evening or whenever i would have it all ready by then and then give it to you and you can do it that evening or the next day whatever the heck that's my thinking 
if we shift it just a little bit, then me trying to finish just in time for you to be available to actually upload like that, that our schedules would be well aligned because I can just give it to you and then you do it whenever on your schedule, which is, which is a lot easier for, I think, both of us. Okay. So that's my notion for doing the time shifting. We'll give it a um, shot. Well, yeah, yeah. So what I'll still do is I'll push for tomorrow. What I'll do is I'll go through like our earlier shows and then I will, I'll, I'll see what's appropriate and I'll make it, make a clip and then we can like, so make a clip for, well, whatever, I'll, I'll do the math. I'll do a spreadsheet. I'll figure out how things would be best presented and, um, and I've got the content to work with. So tomorrow I'll just work as, as usual and then present stuff to you for upload for tomorrow and all sort of things that on my end and just figure out how it works. Um, but ultimately if it's done right, it'll be a lot less stress. Um, so can you add on your to-do list, the countdown timer for the the speaking segments yeah so it counts down to the break i think i already i think i already did okay um the yeah. next thing so you have you actually started working on a workflow for uploading all the reminders for doing things like copy pasting a generic description um adding like how you do things just so you can turn your brain off and follow your own instructions have you have you started doing that kind of thing? No, the workflow is just open up a thing, drag a file over, and as I'm I'm putting three seconds before and three seconds after. Yeah. Well, have you written all that down? So I have that, not. Yeah. So, so start with that. But you're also going to need to build like uh, a a list of notes, like a checklist of stuff, so that when you upload a YouTube video. You name things a certain way, and I'll pass you some suggestions on how things can be titled better so that they're more useful and they can be picked up a little bit easier for organic searches and stuff like that. So that the titles of all of our existing videos are going to have to be redone so that they make actual sense, they look good. Um, and I'm, I am starting to title the clips, so hopefully that works out. I'm giving you like directory names with funny characters like you can't have uh, uh, ex uh, you can't have question marks in file names in Windows and so the the question mark I gave you in one folder is not it is printable like you look at it and it looks like a question mark but it's not the same as the question mark on your keyboard so you might have to edit titles when you see things like question marks to to change them so that they look so that they are correct. Because right now you couldn't like control F and then search for that with a question mark because it wouldn't match up. It sounds really weird. Maybe I'm not explaining it very well, but uh, the, the last video clip, um, you would have to change the punctuation in it. You have to edit the title. But you're gonna be editing all the titles anyway because there's a style that would make the videos more, more findable, more, well presented um the i mean i've had it on my mind for a long time but so the room i'm in is kind of 
it's library-esque. So I, just, I move the desk in here and I have decent a decent kind of um, sill above one of these fake fireplaces. Well, I mean, it's gas uh, and it's behind me and that's a good presentation, but to one side is just shelves full of books and it's a cluttered mess. So with a wide angle um, webcam, a lot of that stuff could get picked up. So I kind of zoom in to, to square up what space gets seen. Because I don't want to be a little head in a gigantic wide room. I want to want to tighten that up so that the main is just me and the head and shoulders, maybe a little bit more. But there's still stuff over there, and it's a little bit ugly. So for a long time, not even related to a webcam, I've been thinking about putting up something to block that space off. And I bumped into just the other day, um, you can get special room dividers and they act kind of like um, how you would mount a curtain rod for, um, you know, like for a bathroom for across a bathtub for privacy and to keep the splashing in. So you have these these bars and they can be like screwed in a certain way and they, they stretch out and they hold themselves against the, the two walls, right? And then you put your put your curtain in there, your shower curtain. Well, there's an equivalent like that made for room dividers, and some of them can be extremely long. And I went and I, I broke up my tape, re tape measure, and I did some measurements, and I checked out. I've got a couple of places I can mount a thing. Well, by mount, I mean the temporary pressure mounting thing. And so I'm actually thinking about getting a set of curtain panels that I can put there. And what that does is that takes one side of my webcam clutter and it completely eliminates it and so i'm thinking about stuff like this that would help prepare the room for like a podcast even where i could be better presented because that stuff would be out of the way and i wouldn't have to like go over there and rearrange stuff and push things out of the way and there's this there's this joke with people working from home they'd be doing their their online meetings their webcam online meetings and you've got the meme picture of somebody sitting down and like the cone of light coming from their screen and then everything outside is just the clutter of their life and they're not wearing pants or anything so it's just like cleaning just enough in this cone like i'm getting i'm not that bad but you know i am kind of in certain areas and having to do this wacky cleanup before being on camera and having to having to not just do that, uh, having to study my screen to make sure that the any I've got piles of books, for example, <laughs> I just like piled up from the floor and those can't be in the shot. So I have to like remember to make sure that, that I've moved that I've like turned them into two smaller piles so that so that they're shorter so they don't get picked up on the bottom of the camera. So having paneling, a curtain, a thing on that, literally that side of the room would wall off one entire chunk of room. And some of that curtain would get picked up by the camera, but if it's done nice, it looks nice. So it, it, might, it might be appropriate, it might be. So I'm thinking about doing that. And yet another thing that would be uh, money, right? Like that's one of the... It's weird, like back in the early YouTube days, 
people had the joke was having a potato camera and of course if it's a it's like wow this this girl has a potato camera and she's somehow popular and you look at her going well that is a an atypically attractive woman i wonder why she's popular and and the joke would be she'd continue with a potato camera because i mean it's a it's a funding thing it's a this is before people were like giving out money on the internet for no reason and one of the one of the i don't know i want to call it a myth so one of the myths is that you really don't need excellent anything you don't need good equipment you don't really need to know what you're doing you just start and that's where you begin but there's this trap that goes well i shouldn't start yet because well i need the right mic i need the right like oh my chair is kind of ratty and oh my room is this and oh my and it's just on and on and on and each one of these things represents a new research project it might involve a significant amount of work like if you're like well that shelf is crooked i need to like i, I need to jimmy it up over here or i need to rebuild this or i need to move the shelf and that represents work and that represents time and if you keep thinking about buying this or that it's it represents a lot of money so the argument is well you just start with what you have and i mean that's true enough that's true enough but the the level of competition that exists out there now is such that first impressions end up being too important so for example i may, might be more interesting than the next guy but the next guy might have excellent title cards on Twitch or might have a floating head or might have a video game in the background. And that might make all the difference, right? So if I have to sit here and like zone out and play Okami, which I would love to do, um, I, we couldn't upload the footage. We would find a way to crop out just my head or something like that. Or, I mean, we couldn't monetize that, which would be important later would maybe pulling clips out would be important maybe 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 like i'm not sure um but uh maybe doing a lot of these adjustments these non it's effort it's time so technically time is money depending on how you make your money so there's there's a lot of stuff that needs to be part of the 80 percent to figure out how to improve all of this stuff every, everywhere, like we should probably talk about it, but having a decent description in Twitch is kind of important. Um, so there's there's a lure to having to, to basically throw money down a sinkhole um, to solve certain problems that aren't actually that important. And there's a there are things to identify that would require effort or research or time to, to actually get right. And I think those are going to be an incredible return on investment. But the thing is, Minion, this stuff is in your hands. And you have been doing next to nothing. And your excuse has been, oh, Destiny. But I've been asking for 15 minutes. Like, have you uploaded an episode to iTunes to see what that's like? No. Right. then okay well that that's one of your 15 minute segments right another 15 minute segment could be like exploring and renaming a couple of videos to see 
how things would work. Like clips should be like words, pipe, lucid indifference, pipe, episode, episode number. Maybe don't even put the date. Maybe the date goes in shows and the shows would not be like some numbers. It would be uh, lucid indifference episode X, pipe the date, something like that. And so there would be a style that you would figure out and you could do that in 15 minutes and that the day after you would rename like there's like 30 clips so you'd have to you type fast enough so and then the next day you would do a little bit the next day you would do a little bit um and that's the kind of stuff that you would do at once and then it would be part of your workflow you would cut cut and paste to have a consistent style um while i busy i'm i am busy while physically i'm busy thinking up ideas and talking a lot and doing the editing the sound editing so i'm doing some stuff but uh you you've got to do more do more um do anything and then chip away at your to-do list because your to-do list is probably oppressive now so what else the so the the countdown during the show is going to be a help but in the last or maybe the tail end of the countdown or maybe over over the course of the break when what we need to have is some sort of title card that has a listing of all of our social media and and a reminder to like and subscribe and all that kind of stuff like so for example we had somebody talking with us last show it would have been nice to have easily pointed that person at a, at a YouTube page for for he, him or her to bookmark. But that wasn't even doable. Like, I couldn't even quickly cut and paste the channel, which is something you should do, into chat and have them you know, bookmark it. Um, this, this is a, a potentially incredible lost opportunity because you need to begin that that little snowball to roll downhill to actually get anywhere. So every single opportunity that's there has to be, you have to be prepared to actually accept that opportunity, to take advantage of an opportunity. So having a title card would help. Um, I suppose on my side of things, what I should do is, um, is get the website going. And what I'll do is I'll redirect it to the YouTube page, I suppose. I mean, I could redirect this to the Twitch page. Um, maybe that would be appropriate, but I, we want people ultimately on YouTube. So redirect people on YouTube, make sure all the YouTube videos have a description, this kind of stuff. And they would all point to the Twitch channel. So lots and lots of stuff to do. So I'll make a note of the website redirect and you need to do stuff. So chip away at your to-do list so that next show, third segment, we can like start with you talking about all the stuff you've done. So we can be happy and motivate you, stuff like that. It could happen. Um, what else? I don't know. I'm pretty... I'm pretty much out of stuff to do. I do want to, probably not going to do it next show because they'll be stupidly busy, but I do want us to do separate audio recording. But you would no longer record the stream as it goes out to 
Twitch, you would just have it do that. Just do the, the, the out. And then you would have an instance of Audacity recording your just your voice, just your, your microphone. And not your system sounds, just your microphone. And you would spool that out to disk. And then I would do the same on my end. The trick would be synchronizing the two so that I could mix the tracks. So the way that I would do that is during our uh, setup, what I would do is we'd both start locally recording. Then we do the old, like in old movies where you'd have Clap. a little clacker. Yeah. So what we do is we do the clack and it would echo out. It, it would echo out from my microphone and it would echo out into discord. So, um, what would I do? I would turn up my, see that that's the thing. How would we, what would be the right way of synchronizing? Dum -de dum -de dum Cause we would both need to, so both of our audio channels would need to make the sound at the same time. Or how about just play something high pitch in the hallway? Well, what I would do, maybe what, what we would do is you would have, um, maybe you'd have a clap sound or something like that prepared into whatever. And I would turn my microphone up and point it at my speakers. You would make the sound. It would record on your microphone because you would be, you would Whee! lean your head, lean your head at, at your speakers. You, you would have your desktop speakers play the sound. Your microphone would pick it up. Um, Discord would pipe it out and send it to me as well. My mic would pick it up. So your track would record it. My track would record it. Um, and it would be close enough. How do other people, how do normal people do things? This, but that, that would be the perfect thing to do to have the, to have the separate track, to be able to treat them differently. It would be so wonderful if done correctly. And that would eliminate Discord as a, as a dependency technically. So problems could happen with Discord, sync issues, robot voice issues, all this kind of stuff. And it would not matter because we would be recording locally. Wait, you can so set, have... you can mm -hmm. set uh, Audacity to record Discord? Uh, I don't know. Assuming yes, and that's the easiest solution to solve. Um... But I don't want it to record from Discord. I'm saying we use that as, uh, are you able to edit while it's recording, or to kill it off while it's recording? What do you mean kill what off? We start, we say like, I'm recording now, you're recording now, and then as we have sounds from each other, then we just hit kill. That we could just... I don't know what kill means. So the answer is almost certainly no. So you couldn't switch, you couldn't continue recording while switching your, your device to to record from your microphone. So I'm pretty sure you can't do that. So it is possible to within Windows have like a virtual switchboard that lets you do certain weird things, but that's another wacky moving part that we'd have to find and learn. And because some people have software that connects their various devices together in certain ways that lets them apply live audio effects and all this kind of stuff and that that is appropriate for some people but it's not necessary for us so having 
Yeah, let me let me think about that. So obviously that's not going to happen anytime soon. Uh, because we need the ability to connect a microphone to a, a local microphone to a remote speaker. So me pointing my microphone at my speakers and then you saying something. I think that would be good enough. Your mic would record you. My mic would record you. That would be good enough. And then I'd, I'd match that. So a clack that you can make that your mic would pick up would be exactly what we want. So let me, let me make a note of that. Um, okay. And that would be our solution. So the, what we would just need is one sharp noise from your end. Um, and then I'd match the two tracks. And that's only to make sure that we're, when the, the two tracks are mixed together, that if one of us is talking immediately after the other person, that they're not blended together a clip to, to crowd out one of the speakers or both of the speakers. That would just to space them out, just like real life. So that would be awesome. Let me think about that. Um, I've still got some Lua editing to do, which I'll get to once I've learned how to do Lua again. Blech. I have to do World of Warcraft programming as well. So it's the same skill set. So break music I've talked about. Uh, adding episode numbers, like you could add an episode number to this show right now. And oh. now that we know how, what are we at? We're at 11 now. I think this is 11, isn't it? So uh, the other stuff that we don't have uploaded, like there's one that's a legit show that we put should have uploaded, but the uh, there's seven others <laughs> of like the lost footage that I'll I'll go through and and pull some of the, the interesting bits that I'll pull out. So there's a lot of extra stuff that could be uploaded as clips throughout every every bit of downtime throughout the show that would work really well. Um, I just have to, yeah, that's like an extra 10 hours a week or something of work, something like this, um, for, for, for the next month. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I can do, I can do 40 hours of work. <laughs> so, uh, have you looked into any other podcasting resources? Cause that's the other thing that would the rebroadcasting service that I keep telling you about. I still haven't looked at looked up for resources. Yeah. So uh, I mean sign up to that and then that all we would need to care about is everything it rebroadcasts to. So it probably rebroadcasts to a YouTube well, I don't think can we even do a YouTube live thing? We can. So it would do a version to YouTube Live. Um I guess that's not really appropriate. So we could use Restream through OBS to go to Twitch and YouTube simultaneously and DLive. I've done all those three at the same time. And and one of these mobile streaming platforms that I can't remember the name of. It's been too long. I haven't streamed in so long. Um, so that's one tool that you could use OBS for, for doing live and for sending the podcast out that other tool would probably do it for you for uh, a bunch of major ones. And then that, this is the stuff that you would 
invest time into that would make your life way easier later on down the road what up because for every for every extra service that you can provide audio on that's one extra unit of audience depending on how popular things are where you could snag any number of do you do you even know the the term organic when it comes to search stuff i don't know how your seo knowledge is so um well we'll add to this next time when i'm starting to get a little passy outy you always do want to end the stream early yeah. we're pretty much winding down anyway okay everyone so we're going to be back on we've got a schedule on twitch so today is sunday we're going to be back on next one next wednesday minion before you log out can you update our twitch description so that we have a reference a link to our youtube channel i already that be... did that at the start see like now you don't have any extra work to do Except i still for, have like, a lot more to make stuff look pretty so yes i do well you need to before you pass out could you provide this to me and then provide what um, the audio that we're making right now yeah it takes a few minutes okay so we're gonna end now and we'll see you guys all later thank you all for coming